0: At home uh, programs where you get a wine of the month club dropped off to you in uh, a reasonable tote. And then next time we come back, we, we go drop off the new wine, pick up the old wine. So
1: Dana Trimborn, host of the Big Dane Podcast. The new season is in post-production, so I'm super excited for that to kick off in the next week or so. In the meantime, I wanted to share this episode with you all that I recorded a little while back with a special guest. Hope you enjoy. Hey friends, have you ever felt like you should be incentivized after you finish a wine bottle? What if I told you that exists? Stick around. I have a special guest joining me today, Zach Lawless, co founder and CEO at The Good Goods, where they focus on reuse programs for wine and spirits. Welcome, Zach.
0: Thanks for having me on. Really excited to chat with you today. Yeah, of
1: course. I'm excited to have you. Um, So, why don't we just start out with just telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and who you are, where you're from and just you know brief background on the good goods
0: yeah so i'll give you uh, kind of the overview and then and then run into kind of how we how we got here but um I, again my name is zach lawless i'm the ceo of good goods at good goods we are a bi-directional logistics plat- platform where we combine deliveries and returns into a single exchange the customer's front door this allows us to slash the cost of reverse logistics while providing a convenient enough experience for customers to lead to a high rate of returns, uh, we believe it is the key to unlocking the circular economy, and I can touch on that a little bit later. But um, yeah, it's been an interesting journey to, to get here. I uh, started off actually on the on the finance side. I was uh, I was doing venture or private equity, venture capital out of college, and in 2017, I was tasked with doing diligence on what would be the repercussion when China stopped accepting plastics. And so this is really the first time that i became aware of the scale of the waste crisis um and the fact that a lot of the recycling programs and the different things that i believe were part of our kind of global infrastructure were really more of a, a gimmick a marketing play in a, a lot of ways and in china when they stopped accepting plastics really brought that to everyone's attention so in 2017 on the investment side, I was I became very enamored with investing in people who were doing uh, things early in the reuse space. What I found was that there was, what I found was that there's no one in 2017 doing anything around reuse that was <laughs> venture scale in any way. So, uh, I actually decided to to jump in and start my, my first company. So I started a company called uh, called Fresh Bowl, where we provided, right. yep. yeah, where we provided grab and go meals out of reusable containers. Every one of those uh, reusable co- retainer containers can be returned to any one of our kiosks for credit towards the consumer's next purchase. Ooh. And from this, I had my I had my eyes completely opened to all the challenges that that face somebody who wants to jump into to reusable packaging. Uh, we pretty much ran the gauntlet of issues from not being able to get packaging back to solving that to having truckloads full of packaging and nowhere to wash it. Um, so we we've seen kind of all the different constraints within the circular economy. Um, But primarily for that business, we were focused on return rates because we were buying, instead of buying a 50 cent clamshell, we were buying a $1.50 mason jar to put everything in. So we needed to get high return rates in order to get our cost per use down to about the same as single use packaging. Um, And we were able to do that really effectively. So we started off at around like 10, 15% return rates in the first uh, 90 to 120 days of operation. And the number... And the number one complaint rate that we a uh, complaint that we had was having to return the packaging. So that was kind of a, uh, an eye opening experience that it was going to be harder to get the packaging back than we thought. However, over the next uh, twelve to eighteen months, we A/B tested across our thirty locations, messaging little things. Instead of being an eight dollar salad with a two dollar deposit, we made it a ten dollar salad with a two dollar reward. Just changing little pieces of the puzzle, uh, and we ended up moving that all the way up to an eighty five percent return rate. And the number two feature that customers liked about our product was the fact that uh, it was in a reasonable packaging. So we completely flipped that narrative um, through understanding every piece of that consumer journey and, and A-B testing to make it the most positive experience possible for consumers. And so we really thought that we'd solve for the circular economy, being that return rates were the, were the major issue. And uh, when COVID hit, a lot of our locations, which were based on, on really high foot traffic location, um, we're no longer seeing high foot traffic. So, we ended up licensing out that business uh, to some large food service operators. Uh, it's, it's essentially a franchise business, um, still operates today. But now, what we've done is we've tried to move further into enabling other businesses to move into circular products. And so, over the last uh, about a year now, we've worked with over 60 brands to be able to move them into reasonable packaging. So, everyone from like your local grocery store over to uh, to large multinational uh, wine companies, uh, like you mentioned, and kind of everyone in the middle as well, too. And what we've come to realize is that while we were focused on return rates, the real bottleneck here is logistics. And that's because logistics uh, are because return rates are a function of convenience. Convenience is a function of logistics. And the reality is, is that there's no one out there right now that can provide a convenient enough logistics experience to enable to get the rate of returns that you need to enable the circular economy while doing it at a price that makes sense for the circular economy as well, too, because the equation for the circular economy is really, really simple. It's reusable packaging, has to cost less than or equal to equal to single-use packaging. And right now, when you talk about a package that gets delivered to your door. Usual usual primary and secondary packaging that goes into that is going to be around anywhere from 8 to $12. But the reverse logistics to get that package back is going to be about 8 to $12 as well. So there's no right. no equation in which, or no way in, in current 3PL system in which that equation works out. That threshold for where we believe, where you can start to see mainstream adoption of reuse is when the reverse logistics cost costs about 3 to $4. And the only way to do that is not to create another trip to that consumer's house, it is to use the the efficiencies in that that original trip to the consumer's house to be able to pick up and drop off in the same in the same uh, same scope to be able to use the same efficiencies in the van. So our whole idea is about maximizing the efficiency in our current logistics operations by tying forward and reverse logistics together to hit those thresholds that we see for the the circular economy. It's
1: very smart. I mean, you know. When I think about that back and forth about, you know, receiving a package and then, you know, if you have to return it and then all the packaging that comes with that, like you think about all the holidays where you're trying to provide gifts to one another, receive gifts. And I can't imagine like what those numbers are like then as far as like how many returns go on. But, you know, it's bigger than that, like, you know, kind of like what Zach was just talking about and the expense that comes with it. And then also just like. The environment itself, like it's not, you know, more emissions are going out. Like it's just not, you know, environmentally friendly. Um, and then, Zach, as far as like um, the idea with um, the wine and so forth about, you know, having that as a reuse program, maybe you could speak a little bit about that and how, You know, you came up maybe with that idea, um, you know, during your time.
0: Yeah, wine's a a really interesting category for us and one that we've seen a lot of traction in. And I think that's because wine has a few unique characteristics. When you're talking about our customer base and who uses our platform right now, it's people who currently need two-way logistics. So that's like any of your rental fashion companies. That's anyone who does like a zero-waste grocery store, try-at-home models. Um, and, and, uh, any of like your exchanges, your e-commerce exchanges where like you needed a size six shoe and you ended up getting a size size five. Um, so th- those are kind of who needs current logistics. And the secondary piece of that is who would need two way logistics if they moved into reusables and, and, and which, which industries can we move over quickly because there's a use case right off the bat and wine and, and spirits is an example of one that has a use case right off the bat. That's really exciting to us. That's because the packaging is already durable and reusable. We don't need to change anything about their current supply chain. We can start to get them back the bottles that they're using and get those reused right away. Um, the second piece is that uh, because those bottles are are glass and um, a fairly high price point, uh, we can save them money the first time. We don't need to, we don't need to have them pay for more expensive packaging and then and then save them money over the course of like a year or two as we just start to get packaging back. There's a use case right off the bat to, to make money. And then the third piece of it for them is that uh, the carbon footprint of heating up a glass of bottle is so substantial that on my, on my first reuse of that bottle, I'm saving, it, I'm saving like 60 70% carbon footprint. So the idea that you can save money and the environment at the same time, you can do the right business practices, makes the use case in wine really, really interesting. And because of that, we've had a lot of early partners in the wine space. You mentioned our wine program. Uh, we've been testing out a number of things with our partners over the last year. And that ranges anywhere from in retailer applications where customers can bring it back. They get credit towards the retailer for their next purchase um, all the way through at home uh, programs where you get a wine of the month club dropped off to you in uh, a reasonable tote. And then next time we come back, we, we go drop off the new wine, pick up the old wine. So we've, we've been kind of Very testing, cool, yeah. testing both of those applications in the wine space.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, like the ultimate like win-win I feel like because you know how many people drink wine right and then it's like I think we all I mean I feel I think I think more about it now about you know recycling reuse and all that jazz but you know in the moment you're just you just you want your next bottle of wine you're not thinking that step in between that is really important and I think we just we kind of just take it for granted like well I can just go to the store and get like another bottle of wine like yes you can but you're not helping the environment and you know you can see over the years like it's crazy that we haven't like thought of this before or like why didn't I think of this like it's something so simple that I think it blows my mind and um I don't know. I think it's just like such a cool idea to really incentivize people and then push them to to do the reuse. I mean, because we talk about, I think, so much about recycling, at least like years ago. And when you're a kid, it's like, recycle, recycle, recycle. And it's like, well, what about reuse? And like these other, you know, things that we should be doing to help the environment. And I think, you know, more recently, you know, we're trying to even incorporate like, you know even reusable like ziploc bags you know like little changes like that where it can go a long way um and even interestingly (laughs) my neighbor um she's like oh what do you do with um your candles after they're done I was like well just kind of like recycle them, like and she's like no you can like grab the wax out you know you could like put boiling water over it and reuse the glass for something else you know so it I mean I think it's really a huge game changer in the market what what you what you're doing Zach and what you know the company you know has um you know projected
0: yeah I think that um when you say win-win I think that's the only way that we start to accomplish our goals in in the circular economy space, because the reality is we all want to believe that people are going to do something because it's good for the environment. We all want to believe that even, even, even as myself, as a consumer, right. Mm -hmm. I want to believe that I am going to go the extra mile to do everything. Right. And then like, you're like uh, you're sitting there, like, this is a bad example, but like I buy like biodegradable dog bags or dog poop bags when I take my dog out in the morning and then I make sure that they all go to the composter to be able to be like, actually, um, they're not just going to the landfill. And like the other morning, like my, my dog poops on the street, and I have to get like one of the ones that's like on the, on the, on the, on the, on the uh, there's like a street, a street uh, dispenser of dog bags and they're definitely not biodegradable. Yeah. They're just like cheap plastic bags. I sure. grab one out, right? You want to believe yeah that you're, like, you're, what else are you gonna do yeah and you want to believe that you're <laughs> gonna be able to make all these changes to your life that are gonna that are gonna do it and I think that the reality is it's actually on corporations and it's actually on 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 infrastructure to make sure that those things are really easy for a consumer and I think that the part that is uh, kind of a misnomer and almost a little bit scary at points is that the narrative has been really pushed to the individual consumer to make it feel like it's your job and your responsibility to do everything that you can, and that's actually as weird as it sounds by design. Like, so look up the Crying Indian campaign. I think people are pretty familiar with it by this point. Have you have you seen the Crying Indian campaign?
1: Uh, say it one more time.
0: The cry the Crying Indian campaign. Are you familiar with that?
1: Uh, I don't think I am. So uh,
0: so it's the campaign that launched recycling in the seventies, right? So basically. Oh, okay. So basically, uh, big bottling companies were getting pressure to start doing something about the waste that was coming up on the, uh, coming up all over like our shorelines and things of that nature. Um, and instead of, in Congress was starting to pass what's called extended producer responsibility uh, acts to be able to make sure that they had to pay for the cleanup of these types of things. And instead of that, they are like, we need to flip the narrative and make sure that the consumer is now thinking that they're responsible for cleaning up, not the, bo- not the, not the bottlers bottle themselves.
1: Okay, let's take a quick break. For a limited time only, you'll have free access to my coffee page. No, not actual coffee. This is a place for all exclusive content that won't be on my Instagram or Facebook accounts. Check out sneak peeks, behind the scenes, extra audio clips, and much more. Just have a tap on my link tree, look out for that coffee cup icon, and boom, you'll be on your way.
0: And so the Crying Indian campaign was this uh, push to show that consumers are the ones throwing it out the window, that are acting poorly with these things, and that it's their responsibility to do it that led to a lot of the recycling acts across the country to be able to give consumers the tools they needed to be able to recycle and do these different things. Um, and while consumers play a major part in making sure that these things are enabled, uh, it, it relies heavily on the, it, the, the, the ownership should not be shifted away from the brands and the companies that are producing these, these types of uh, packaging. And in fact, we should hold them responsible uh, more so than we do probably. And, and the fact is if you're a consumer and you're like, it is so hard for me to, to try to do the right thing that's a failure in the system and the whole idea of good goods is that we want it to become so easy and so rewarding for you to do these different things that it, that it becomes uh it's no longer a chore it's no longer something you have to educate yeah. yourself on uh, differently than all these other people like try like let's talk about how hard it is to recycle as an individual consumer right each different municipality has different things that can be recycled you don't know what you oh, can yeah. put in the, it's like you have to be, like, a genius. You, like, I don't know if you've seen, a, 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 like, uh, the movie where they have the guys, like, counting cards and numbers are going in front of his head. Every time I move homes, I feel like that's what it is, me trying to figure out how the recycling plans work. It it's is so, so difficult.
1: Yeah. Like, I was in uh, Florida um, in March, and we were we we're with my family. We were staying Airbnb, and, you know, we're having some wine, we're having some drinks, you know, and we need to recycle. And my mom, I was like, oh, mom, where's the, um, where can I put this to recycle? And she's like, oh, they don't recycle here. I was like, what do you mean they don't recycle? Like, this is, this is the stuff that, you know, we're talking about. Like, why isn't like every single state doing this? Like, we should all be doing the same thing. But it, you know, it makes it so hard when, you know, back to what you were saying, Zach, like, it's the system. Like, that has to be correct at first in order for us to understand, like, this is how it should be. But also, you know, to your point too, like it should feel easy in the sense that, you know, you're going to be doing it, um, like second nature, like you're not going to have to be thinking about that. So it's just
0: kind of crazy how it it is. It's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy how broken the system is. Uh, and, and yeah, you're right. Like some, some cities are lost recycling. Some cities don't allow around recycling of glass. And then like some allow it to be in the same waste stream as plastic. Something you have to like, uh, I'm actually visiting my family in Kansas, uh, right now and Kansas has glass recycling, but you can't put it on your curb. You have to take it to like a special location for it. So you, okay. so you have a bin for recycling, you have a bin for glass and there's no compost here, there's no compost program either. So that's all going in your, in your trash. Um, or mm-hmm. you have like a, we have like a local, or we have a composter in our backyard, but like that's mm-hmm. who's going that far to do it? Like, right? Like, no one's doing it. Not many
1: people. It. No. Yeah. yeah it's- I mean, I'll be honest. Like, wait, I don't do composting, but like, I did like where am I? <laughs> it's yeah. like next level status of, of all of that. But mm-hmm. um, I feel good if I, you know, do some kind of reuse or, you know, try to even get, just like products that are like you know like i bought like recycled jeans you know yeah. or you know things you know that make you feel that you are doing something but um yeah,
0: yeah. and it should be the flip <laughs> right it should be like oh everything that i want to do that's good for the environment it's easy for me but everything i want to do that's hard like if i want to go throw something in a landfill like i should have to drive somewhere to go throw it in the landfill like it should be the reverse but we've, we've got the system built the opposite way. And I think, I think we're in the early innings of flipping it, but it's, uh, but it's, it's hard. And there's, there's people that are, that are working on that that problem right now. Good goods being one of them, but, um, some early movers in the space and it's going to come down to kind of infrastructure, consumer behaviors and consumer sentiment are changing, which is perfect. That's like the the beginning step of driving all this. Um, but, uh, but I'm, I know a lot of people are kind of, uh, have like climate anxiety and, and, and I do too, to some yes, degree. Yeah. <laughs> and I do too, to some degree, but I'm very optimistic in, in, in what I've seen kind of fellow entrepreneurs in the space doing and the things that are coming up. So um, yeah. as much as consumers can continue to support people that are doing things the right way um, that is, that is every bit as important as, uh, as making sure that they're taking their recycling out and and sorting things the right way.
1: For sure. And Even reuse in general, I don't think people realize, like, you know, how much it's saving money, how much it's saving energy. You know, it's reducing the amount of waste. So then, you know, that amount that would get recycled to landfills, it's not being, like, piled up. And it's, like, so many things. And, yeah, climate change. I mean, my birthday is in February. And I remember, like, five years ago, one of the days here, you know, outside of Philly – It was, like, 70 degrees, and I'm like, what goes on? (laughs) Like, this is not right. Like, we have to be doing something, and it should be easier. So, um, yeah, so definitely reuse, reuse. Um, But um, how about, like, is there, you know, anything upcoming that you would want to share with the listeners? You know, something you know, we can kind of look out for in the summertime.
0: Yeah. I mean, so basically right now, um, we are working with different providers, zero waste providers, or people that are doing reuse to, to enable their programs. Um, in may or June, we're going to be launching, uh, our first like kind of marketplace where people will be able to go on our website and see all the different providers that are doing it. So, our goal is that people who go on our website will see the, the different zero-waste grocery stores. We have three zero-waste grocery stores in the New York, New Jersey region, which we do delivery for. So you want to get your groceries with, with zero-waste? Um, we'll be kind of the connection on that site. There's 200 restaurants in New York that you can order, uh, take out food in reasonable containers from. And we'll be kind of the site where you can see those as well. Uh, we have three juice juice shops on our on our platform where you can get anywhere, anything from like your juice cleanse to a, uh, a weekly like, uh juice out of uh, off our platform we even have a zero zero waste diaper uh company on our program and so oh, wow yeah right. yeah <laughs> uh so the idea being that hopefully in, in may and june customers will have a will be able to participate with us not only through working with uh brands that are using us uh, kind of without knowing it but they'll be able to take a more active stance where it says hey if you want to find who is using us who is doing circular stuff will kind of be that that uh that connection for them
1: okay and then yeah i know you guys are in new york new jersey but what about pa like anything on the horizon
0: (laughs) yeah for for sure i mean our goal is to build our logistics network from like kind of a regional hub in the new york new jersey Mm -hmm. region but they will be able to service pennsylvania down to dc um and kind of uh everything in between so uh, i don't I don't have an exact date of when we'll be in Pennsylvania, but I would say okay. that it's probably one of the the early markets that we'll be we'll be addressing outside of New York and New Jersey, so hopefully soon nice.
1: yeah, we're not that far away. so no very well.
0: easy exactly exactly
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Um well, that's very exciting news. Um, and then, as far as, you know, if, Someone wants to get in touch with you, connect with you. Um, what would be the best way um for people to do that?
0: Yeah, the best way to connect with us is either through our website, uh, thegoodgoods.co. Yeah, uh, and then also our Instagram, thegoodgoods.co, as well too. So okay. um, yeah, either one of them are have all of our contact information, ways to get involved. Like I said, our website will soon have all the different people who are on our platform doing things in Zero Waste. Uh Um, Or using kind of our our eco-efficient network for our supply chain network as well, too. So that will be coming here very shortly. That's amazing.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me in the episode. Um, I had a great time having you on and maybe can be back on in the future.
0: Yeah. Hopefully we'll have some big updates we can share in the future, but, uh, but thanks for having, thanks for having me on. It's been a, it's been a fun, fun podcast and, uh, yeah, excited, to, uh, excited to, uh, to build this, hopefully coming to Pennsylvania soon.
1: Love it. All right. Thanks again. Thank you. See ya. All right, my friends, thanks for listening and be sure to listen to new episodes on your preferred platform. Stay up to date with my podcast by going to my Instagram or Facebook accounts at the Baked Dane Podcast. Interested in being a guest? Just go to my link tree, tap on be a guest and fill out the form. All right, catch you next week. (laughs)